Additionally, well. banks are supposed to have risk management people who are keeping tabs on this so they can diversify out of those financial instruments into safer ones. SVB didn't seem to do that. I mean, we know the big banks always do that. Bank of America, Wells Fargo, you know, those guys. SVB seemed to stay at status quo as all this was changing. Maybe they thought interest rates were going to come down. What we do know is that the Fed stepped in to try to shake inflation out of the economy, but they may have started too slowly and then took off after that with big plays, big interest rate jumps. And so the interest rate just suddenly shot up to 7%. And it caught companies that were still sitting on bonds in serious positions that they had to get out of. Now, I my sense is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Silicon Valley Bank might have gotten through this if it had been able to quietly, you know, take the financial hit, find capital elsewhere from other banks, borrowing or whatever, raise enough capital to cover the depositors. But once it broke through the firewall of silence out into the marketplace, that's when all hell broke loose. And that's what killed the bank. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Friday, March 17th installment of the Silicon Insider, the only uncensored look at life and business in the Silicon Valley. My name is Mike Malone, and I'm here with special contributor Scott Budman, technology reporter for NBC Bay Area. Our producer is Jordan Henderson. Our East Coast correspondent is Bob Grove. And as always, our host is the Silicon Valley Business Journal. This is going to be a special edition tonight, folks. Um, as promised in my cover note to y'all, if you got it, uh, it, I think it was on LinkedIn too. We're going to discuss, uh, we're going to spend the entire time today discussing the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, I know Scott's been out in the field covering it, and I've been, uh, I've been doing a lot of research because I've been getting phone calls for interviews from around the world asking me about what it means and how it fits into the the whole story of Silicon Valley. So I thought we'd look at this in depth from a point of view from inside the Valley and um, figure out what happened. I mean, my understanding was the word kind of got out that Silicon Valley Bank was in trouble last Wednesday. And it pretty much began with Peter Thiel and his newsletter or his, or his webcast or whatever it is. But he sort of put out the word that Silicon Valley was in capital trouble and was searching around to find new capital to cover its uh, debts. And he essentially said, get your money out, which in turn on Thursday created a run on the bank. That does that sound right? Were you at the, were you at any of the, uh, the bank or the headquarters in Santa Clara? Yeah, I spent a lot of time there. And you know, it's interesting that you do say this is such a Silicon Valley story and the global attention that it got it reminds me, and um, you know, you have to look no further than what you yourself named this podcast, that Silicon Valley has a lot of cachet all over the globe. And when I was out at the headquarters, um, I ran into reporters from many countries who were standing outside the bank because what happens here um, affects not only our country, but their country, because this particular bank deals so intimately with venture capitalists like Peter Thiel, and with startups and that whole culture that we've become famous for uh, is really in the spotlight, not for a good reason this week, but this is why even people from other countries and reporters for other countries 
I, I ran into CEOs from other countries who flew here to try to get their money out, literally flying to Santa Clara, where the company's headquarters, the bank's headquarters are, to try to get their money out. And yeah, it was Wednesday night when this started. So right, Wednesday night. The CEOs coming in didn't work. And I know I, I'm in close contact with a startup in Mountain View and uh, their CEO, they didn't have that much money left over from their initial venture, you know, like a series A round of venture money, but it was sizable enough. Most of it was in Silicon Valley Bank and the CEO spent 10 hours on the phone trying to get through to get his money out because he only had essentially one month's worth of payroll in cash. Right. And he, well, didn't, he never got through. He never got through to Silicon Valley Bank. No, and it was scary for a while because, you know, you mentioned that, yes, they sold some assets for a huge loss, $1.8 billion, which, A, really freaked out investors in Silicon Valley Bank, which has been the kind of stock that has been really, uh, you know, made a lot of people very wealthy through the year. Well, it's always, the, it's been the gold standard since it, almost since it started back in 89. I was at the ceremony when it started in 1989, you know, and it was a new model of banking because they were just going to specialize in entrepreneurs, startups, and VCs. Right. And it was a, it was a brilliant idea. Well, and it worked really well until it didn't. But on Thursday morning, that's when I first got hold of this story. I noticed the stock was trading literally in half of what it was the day before. Now, when you see a company of the standard that you just said trading half of its value, you think, oh, they must have split their stock again. Good for them. This is what companies like that do. And then I read a little further and realized, uh-oh, Silicon Valley bank stock has lost 50% of its value this morning. Something must be going on. And that's when we dug deeper and found out all these problems that were starting to build up. And then it continued and uh, the stock exchange, suspend I guess it's NASDAQ, right? It's suspended trading on the stock, which is never a good sign. You know, that's that's a that's a near death moment right there. I mean, stocks get halted, but um, rarely do they get halted and then taken over by the government before they even yeah. open again. Yeah. And, and then we started seeing the shockwaves on Saturday, I guess. So First Republic, which, you know, that's a bank for well off people, uh, but it's a, it's a very fine bank as well. We've been told it started having runs on all of their offices just because it was in the blast zone. And there were rumors that they might take over the assets of Silicon Valley Bank. So there's people lined up in front of banks all over the Bay Area. Right. And First Republic was in those crosshairs, I think, partially because they share a, a somewhat similar philosophy, although First Republic, I think, is, is not just about startups and VCs, yes. as Silicon Valley Bank really is. That's more but, you know, yeah, that's a bank based in the Bay Area as well. So a lot of regional banks we started to see start to tumble. You know, Charles Schwab's stock took a really big hit. Uh, we saw Signature Bank, a, a regional bank in New York on the East Coast, also get taken yeah. over by regulators and yeah. the stock stopped trading. Uh, so it was, for a couple of days there, uh, a contagion and almost a panic. And so yeah. it went quickly beyond the fundamentals of what was going on into panic. And that's when people started listening to the Peter Thiels, the VCs who said, hey, I may have loved this bank yesterday, but I'm not going to be caught holding the bag tomorrow. Right. Let's get out of here. And I spoke to many VCs um, who said they really like this bank. They want to stay with it. But yeah. look, if they're the last one standing, how are they going to get money 
to those startups so that they can pay their employees. Yeah, well, I mean, everybody in America knows about 1933. If you didn't know about the uh, bank holiday, shut down all the banks in America for a few days to get things straightened out and to stop the contagion from spreading. We've all seen It's a Wonderful Life, you know, and, and that moment where where concern turns into hysteria and then it becomes, I got to protect myself no matter what the cost. Uh, now, it's... Uh, there's several factors involved here. One of them was Silicon Valley Bank seems to be have slept gone to sleep at the wheel when it came to dealing with their own investments. I mean, in a, and and that seems to we don't know how many other banks around the United States have the same problem. But apparently, the you know the prudent thing to do two years ago when uh, interest rates were down really low, you know, one percent. You get into bonds because as interest rates go down, bond rates go up. So you get 3% on 4% on bonds. It was a very prudent, smart investment. And it didn't seem to be very risky. But coming out of COVID, between the big government payoffs to the victims of COVID and to get you through your rent and all that, followed by you know, an administration that's had really big deals like the green new deal and the infrastructure bill trillion dollar you know investments that money's flowing out there a lot of it went to consumers they started buying and the predicted thing that would happen which would be interest rates would start climbing happened okay does that sound right to you yeah As i mean a, a, couple big, a couple of big things happened to silicon valley bank which was super flush with cash because of what you said all the investment that tech companies were making in startups, in VC funds, they were the place to park that money. But you're right. Um, they had so much money that they decided to buy those bonds. But one thing we learned is that bond yields trade inversely to price. So when interest rates went up, that's why when they sold those securities, they took a $1.8 billion loss. That's the news that got out Wednesday. The other thing, by the way, um, is that VC money wasn't flowing for the last year as fast as it had been. We saw a dry out in the IPOs and, and you know startups simply because- part due, In part due to your friend Elizabeth Holmes. Well, partly because, right. But also, um, you know, the interest rates really put a cap on a lot of that stuff, on a lot of the, the yeah. free spending but Silicon Valley Bank still spent. But again, the big lesson here, bond yields trade inversely to price. And so all so, of a sudden, yeah, their investments were Traditionally, banks are supposed to have risk management people who are keeping tabs on this so they can diversify out of those financial instruments into safer ones. SVB didn't seem to do that. I mean, we know the big banks always do that. Bank of America, Wells Fargo, you know, those guys. SVB seemed to stay at status quo as all this was changing. Maybe they thought interest rates were going to come down. What we do know is that the Fed stepped in to try to shake inflation out of the economy, but they may have started too slowly and then took off after that with big plays, big interest rate jumps. And so the interest rate just suddenly shot up to 7%, and it caught companies that were still sitting on bonds in serious positions that they had to get out of. Now, I my sense is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Silicon Valley Bank might have gotten through this if it had been able to quietly 
you know, take the financial hit, find capital elsewhere from other banks, borrowing or whatever, raise enough capital to cover the depositors. But once it broke through the firewall of silence out into the marketplace, that's when all hell broke loose. And that's what killed the bank. Right. I mean, I'm not sure if you can, you know, if there was one silver bullet that killed this thing, but you're right when the CEO at the time, um, you know, went out and talked about this, like, hey, please stay, don't go away. You know, like that Kevin Bacon character in Animal House, all is well, you know, everything's <laughs> fine. And and that really panicked a lot of people. You cannot inject fear into a bank situation because fear trumps fundamentals. That's another thing we learned the past couple of weeks. Their fundamentals yes. weren't as bad as people were making it, it out to be. Same for First Republic, same for Schwab. Um, this wasn't a crypto exchange that was fraudulently That's the New York investors. Yeah. Right. This was real money that was still there. The depositors felt fine up until they didn't. And then when they didn't, they ran for the exits. And a big lesson in all this is the just the wildfire way that panic spreads in a bank run. And, and, you know, obviously what the federal government did with the FDIC stepping in and taking over the banks and making good on all the deposits, you know, it'll be criticized. These moves yeah, always are. Let's get that to that part in a minute because okay. we're still on, on Friday's thing. Everybody's trying to get their money out. Um, stories started coming out. People complained, well, where was risk management? at Silicon Valley Bank. Why didn't they do something about this? Then it started, then people started dredging up the fact that the bank was so in, so involved in cultural stuff and everything else that maybe they just weren't paying attention. Or maybe they forgot that banks are essentially a paradox because they're all about stability and rationality and, and money and all that. That's half of it. The other half is the emotional position of the depositors whether they feel secure or not and that can change banks are supposed to be slow and steady but that part of their business can can flip in a heartbeat just based on the daily news well for instance i mean one of the things i do for a living is talk to venture capitalists and i hear from them a lot and so it was easy to ring them up and say hey can you tell me how you're feeling right now about silicon valley bank and they were almost to a person praising that culture, saying, you know, these guys backed me when nobody else would. Startup CEOs and founders were saying, Silicon Valley Bank took my money. They, you know, paid the interest. Yes. They helped me out and made the investments when no one else would. And so it was really hard for them to say, gosh, I'm listening to Peter Thiel, but I'm also listening to, you know, the CEO of SVB. Yes. They're saying the opposite things right now. Who's right? And yet, if you're a VC... As one said in these very words, my job is literally to limit risk of my portfolio companies. So if you stay in a bank when everybody's leaving, no matter how emotionally tied to it you are, um, you know, perhaps you're not doing the right thing. Well, you're not fulfilling your fiduciary responsibility to the people right. putting money in your fund. The question is, VCs know that. How come Silicon Valley Bank forgot that about managing risk and protecting their money? Well, I mean, I, I think, I mean, look, when you sell a lot of securities and take a $1.8 billion loss, yeah, that's not really good money management. When you don't see interest rate hikes coming or understand that that's going to change the, the value of your bond yield because they do work inversely, that's bad management. Um, and yeah, 
none of us, and we don't run banks, were surprised by these interest rate hikes. They were telegraphed by Jerome Powell weeks in advance each time. Every 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 market observer out there said the same thing. Right. And so it turns out that was not a good place to put all that money by Silicon Valley Bank. But were they out of cash? I don't think so. Were they insolvent by these moves? I don't think so. I just wonder how much was ultimately panic versus fundamentals. Not to say that panic doesn't, you know, have a force of its own, um, yeah. but it seemed like it took over from what the fundamentals right. of a bank, a bank, by the way, which was really liked and respected more than I've heard anyone yeah, talk about no, a bank I mean, before. It spoke Valley and it was, it, it was absolutely an intimate part of the Valley's ecosystem, you know, and yes. uh, it's, it's loss is a, is an enormous one. And I'm not entirely blaming the bank, you know, though, when you talk about panic, think about yourself. If you discovered that your the money you have in the bank is about to disappear, you go, well, we can't panic. We can't do a run of the bank because then we'll all lose. And at the same time, you're thinking, how am I going to make the mortgage next month if I don't have any money, if it's all, if it's all, all been erased? And right. then it's like it starts becoming every man for himself. Right. And yet... I'm not sure how much money you have in a bank, but because of the FDIC, I know that my accounts. Yeah, that no, not I, every time I go into a bank, I see that FDIC sign. And I go, yes. okay, well, I'm covered. Right. No matter what happens, I'm covered. If if a stick up artist comes in and knocks this bank over, right. I'm still covered. So partly to blame were all these people, these startup companies, the venture capitalists with their funds, and also the entrepreneurs, especially the ones who had already done well. They massively overexceeded that 250k. Right. Right. They had so much trust, obviously ill-directed trust in the bank. There were people that had 10 million dollars in there. You know, there was like, look at Roku. How much did Roku have in there? It had 500 million on on hand in cash, and they had half of that in the bank. They're a thousand times over the insurance company right. insurance guaranteed by the by the FDIC. Okay, well, now we get to the weekend. All of the people, the players start assembling. And apparently it included other people we didn't know about, like Reed Hoffman. Um, but, you know, the, the, the um, Treasury Department, Janet Yellen, is involved. The uh, Fed is involved. The FDIC is intimately involved. Um, and they start deciding, what are we going to do? And... I know the Valley, you could feel it. It held its breath until Sunday night because they knew the announce the decision would have to be made by Sunday night because the banks, when they opened on Monday morning, it was going to decide the fate of not just Silicon Valley Bank, but maybe a bunch of others around here too. Okay. I agree. As as right, as someone who is part of VC Twitter, just because that's what I cover, it was like, you know. Sweet 16 Twitter. It was over the weekend was just incredible. The back and forth of all these, uh, these people. Yeah. Yeah. And so I have to admit, I felt kind of ambivalent on the one hand, why are we re repaying people that stupidly put massive amounts in place in a location that wasn't that only a fraction of which was uncovered by national and federal insurance. Okay. They were dumb to do that. On the other hand, and in their defense, it was Silicon Valley Bank, 
you know, the the ultimate Silicon Valley instant financial institution, the one we all trusted, the, the gold standard. So you could see why people that you get a, a company gets a chunk of money from from the latest venture capital round, they park it there, make some money off of it, and then pull it out when they need it. Uh, they couldn't do that, you know, with other types of investments, but the bank, that's what SVB was for, was to help entrepreneurs move their money around, be have it available when they had to make the next, you know, investments on products and all that. So at the same time, if SVB went down and all of those deposits disappeared, it would have a devastating effect on Silicon Valley and on arguably the electronics revolution in the United States. I mean, that would be that would be a killer. Think of all the new startups that would die very quickly. So do we lose a generation of great new companies and great new innovations and products because the bank went down? And could the Americans stand that kind of crater, uh, the United States economy? I mean, so I, I found myself really ambivalent. It was like, you, you didn't follow the law. First of all, SVB, where's your risk management? You screwed it up. Giant depositors, how come you get to be protected if, if you know, I lose money somewhere. Nobody's going to, government's not going to come in and give it back to me, not going to make me whole again, but it's willing to give companies hundreds of millions back to make them whole for making a dumb decision. Okay, so that's one side. On the other side is, I don't want Silicon Valley to die. And this is actually almost a extinction type event if it goes all the way through and not just for the Valley, but will have tremendous damage around the world, especially the U.S. economy. I agree on all counts. And I think there's a third side to this, which I'll bet the FDIC was considering more than the other two, which was the contagion that often spreads when banks go under. You know, you don't have to think back to the 1930s. There's also 2008. And we saw a lot of people running on Washington Mutual, um, you know, and then countrywide and all that stuff. And, and some of them got bought up and some of them like Lehman went under. Uh, yep. But I think that was the concern of, say, the feds. I think here in the Silicon Valley, you're right. The concern was the extent to the extinction type event that could happen if startup culture went away, if VCs, you know, somehow didn't invest anymore. And a lot of that could have been avoided by a smart backup plan that all of us would have as individuals if we earned enough to have $251,000 in a bank. Yeah. Because if we lost $251,000 because of something all of our friends would roll their eyes and said, boy, you blew that $1,000. You should have been smarter with it and put it under your mattress or in another bank. These guys didn't. And I think that's the lesson that comes from this. Startup yeah. culture stays, the VC culture stays. But boy, I think diversity is the big lesson here. You have to spread the wealth and not yeah. put all your eggs in one basket. Now, I got interviewed today by a, a very nice reporter from Business Insider. And she said, I'm, I'm tracking all the history of all the boom bust cycles in the Valley and what was learned from them. And, you know, it basically it was like the 60s and 70s was uh, technology matters, innovation matters. And after that, it was product matters. Then it was markets matter. Then scalability, I think, was the great lesson of the last 10 years. The lesson from this one is technology businesses are still business and you've got to take care of the financial side of your operation, just not 
keep making big products and scaling up your markets. You've got to beware that you have a vulnerability in your bank account too at all times. You can't depend upon it. If if the the rock of Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley Bank can go down, then anything can happen. Right. And I think that was part of the concern that, say, Janet Yellen had was that if SVB can go down more due to fear than fundamentals, what if it did fail? And what if all that money was lost? What were the next dominoes that would have fallen in the banking world, not just here, but throughout the country, maybe even the globe? And so, yes, we would have lost a big part of startup culture. But I think Janet Yellen was really worried about another 2008, another 1930s type run on just banks in general, if people lost confidence. Right. And we're still hearing that there's there may be a lot of banks out there in the same situation right. and they're going to start falling too. We lost thousands of banks in 2008 and in 33. And now so far we've lost two and they've been covered by the feds. But what else is out there waiting to be uncovered? But there's also the moral hazard. I fear that you always get two lessons, the good lesson and the bad lesson out of these kinds of situations. The bad lesson maybe the moral hazard that's been created, which is banks will in the future will go, well, we can take bigger risks because the Fed will bail us out, just like they did Silicon Valley Bank. And so you have either everybody gets really scared and start running banks or every banks start getting kind of a little bit more risk taking, you know, and betting a little bit more of the store on unusual investments because they figure they're covered, they're safe. And maybe depositors do the same thing. Maybe, um, maybe. Uh, but I would, you know, I would like to think that, say, all those people that lost their jobs at SVB will stay in the banking industry with that lesson learned. Yeah. And that goes for Signature Bank or even Credit Suisse. I mean, all these banks, Schwab. That well, are... Credit Suisse is the one this week. <laughs> right. And, um, and so, it's, so... It's, now, it's now become an international situation. Right. Very much so. And and that means it's going to last a while, I believe. Um, you know, various governments, whether ours or the Swiss government, is being asked to back these banks for the first time in a long time. And um, I don't know, I'd like to think the lesson going forward is, okay, keep taking risks on companies uh, yeah. and ideas, but make sure you have the finances and maybe not all in one place because just the FDIC is there for a reason. It's not to cover your $500 million investment. It's to cover your $250,000 bank account. Yes. And I think we're going to, the stories are starting to come out that, you know, SVB kind of didn't stick to its knitting entirely and started getting into social movements and politics and, you know, that kind of stuff. Basically, banks were trying to be, trying to be hip and fun, like, you know, companies were. And who knows that, you know, that may have been a, a factor as well, why they took the their eye off the ball. I would argue that that is a extreme right wing talking point right now with absolutely no backing. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to go so far as people won't go broke, but right. I, 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 at least at least the woman in charge of risk management probably should have been a little more, a little That's more thick. focused on everybody else could party. But, you know, you kind of want it's like the accountant in the company. You really want them to be hunched over the books while the office party is going on. Right. If the bank is doing some good with its money, um, yeah. that's well, okay. I don't mind that. If it's losing $2 billion a shot because of its bond yields, that's just irresponsible investing. 
that's what you need to take care of. Don't listen to these talking points about, oh, this bank is woke. Nobody knows what that means. They're making yeah. it up. They're trying to gaslight you, which is surprising because it's not only racist, it's speaking of taking your eyes off the ball, it's trying to just say, oh, everything would have been fine if these guys- no, Nothing would have been fine. To, yeah. yeah, I mean, you have to- I worry about, the company, I worry about banks like First Republic, which doesn't seem to have done anything wrong. But, you know, the shrapnel is flying everywhere in the banking world, especially here. Right. And they're taking, they're taking a nasty shot for, I'm not sure why. I mean, they're, they're almost as beloved a bank as SVB. But it's also coming out as the, you know, feds look into SVB, stock sales by executives shortly before the, the crash. Yes, and that's um, malfeasance, which right. we don't know enough about yet to actually talk about. But yeah, well, you know those guys. I, I think you you and I both have known every president of Silicon Valley Bank from the beginning. I mean, right. and no, I, I wouldn't say they're crooks at all. I just think some of these things look bad and you have to address them if bonuses were paid out or stock sales were made. And that's the kind of thing we saw this back in 2008 that people really wanted to claw back. And the difference is in 2008, that TARP plan was taxpayer funded. This FBI, FDIC buyback was not. So the taxpayer kind of got away with one here. And I'm glad because what was a lot of that TARP money used for eventually? Bonuses. <laughs> I mean, the banks went back to being banks. Though it's interesting, I'm hearing a lot of commentary from middle America saying, why am I paying for this? Why am I paying for paying for this bailout. And, you know, in terms of consequences, maybe they will a little, but it's not like they're writing checks out of their right. own bank account to pay for Silicon Valley, to pay for Silicon Valley billionaires to get, you know, compensated for their losses. Right. And so, and I agree with that. They're not paying for this, but if those billionaires learn a lesson, maybe the banking system gets a little safer for those of us who are not rich in the future. And that would be a nice lesson to take away from this. Okay. So now you, before we finish, are you following uh, the various uh, stocks out there? I noticed Morgan Stanley has warned investors to sell stock rebounds that may follow government intervention and SVB's collapse. So yeah. I mean, you're seeing, and, and First Republic is a perfect example. We don't have to go any further than that. I mean, they've really just gotten hammered and then some funding would come out, they would go way up and then they would go way back down. This is a rising and falling knife. The First Republic stock right now doesn't have any any balance to it. We just have to figure out if the company will survive, uh, how they will do. Um, and so stock trading right now is is I imagine it's it's fear, it's it's guessing rather than any fundamentals. And I know people at First Republic, and they're worried about their jobs, about their livelihood, and um, just trying to hang in there and convince depositors that, hey, we are, solvent and we can make it through this but as far as stock trading right now that's um that's just guessing well you know you could, you could feel a giant sigh of relief on monday when the word came out yes uh it'll be interesting to see what the long-term consequences is, of this are you know because we're in a we're in this period where big companies are getting their their stock prices back up because the market's looking at them trimming their their overhead and in, in investing in them but we haven't seen that next new generation of really interesting new entrepreneurial startups. I mean, the VCs are real wary about writing checks right now. And I, I wonder if everybody's happy right now, but will people be looking over their shoulder, making investments over the next few months? Will startup teams find the money they need to keep going? I mean, it, this is not evident yet. Right. I think some of the money that you're talking about 
is in play because the bank was saved. Because yeah. after all, a lot of really young, undeveloped startups had their payrolls tied up in SVB. So we will see the fruits of their labor if they survive and, and come up yeah. with something. But as far as the next, even not even generation, but the next wave, yeah, I think there's going to be some trepidation, some concern. Um, I'm really glad you spent a whole show on this, um, but this isn't it. There, there's a lot more to come, both in lessons learned, in good news, bad news, ups and downs. This thing is is still going to be relevant for quite a while. Yeah, and you you use, I think, the best possible word, which is contagion. I hear more and more of that right now. You know, we just got out of a worldwide pandemic from an organic contagion. The last thing we re need right now is a financial contagion, you know, terrifying everybody in the United States and having them all run on banks. Uh, that's that's how you get depressions. So keep your fingers crossed and we'll be reporting on it. We'll be reporting on it every week, folks, for a while now. Uh, what else is new? Anything to you go to Elizabeth Holmes tomorrow? Uh, that will be Friday. And uh, it's well, Friday. Yes, I believe she will be trying to extend the time that she has left as a free individual. She's supposed to report to jail April 27th. As you know, she recently had uh, her second child. I'm not sure if the judge gives her any more time, but I believe that's what her team will be asking for. Okay, well, we'll, we'll look forward to you reporting on, uh, on NBC Bay Area. And that's it for now, folks. You can find us on the Silicon Valley Business Journal homepage as well as on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Have a great weekend. Enjoy, if you're in the Valley, enjoy the brief uh, good news and the sun before atmospheric river number 11 hits us. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>